And welcome to Friends and Foes. It's a football show. I am your host, John Damon, joined as always by my good friend Chris Cortez. And we are down a member this week. Michael Foos is taking some time off, got some personal responsibilities to get into. Uh, we are going to be missing him, but we will not miss a perfect opportunity to trash on the Philadelphia Eagles while he's gone. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so. Chris, we were talking about how I was I was gone last week for a wedding. I was in Jersey. Um, I went back. I was went up the long way around through Jersey. Ended up coming out by Rutgers and then coming back down. What a what a just awful place. Just <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> not. It, it's such a strange thing because I grew up in Texas, and so in my head. Jersey is East Rutherford, New Jersey. Like that yes. is that is Jersey. It's the the bridge and tunnel right next to the city. However, there's some there's some beautiful country out to the northwest yeah. side of that, and then you come in, and you're right in this area, to where it just condenses. You had all these beautiful drives, and then it condenses. Like a good hour was probably what should have been 15 minute drive. Yeah. <laughs> any other part i i didn't get on the the turnpike i uh avoided tolls like crazy but as much as possible one thing and we and i sent this to our group chat i drove driving back down to uh where i live down the coast drove through philadelphia and right through mm-hmm. the interstate as well drove by right by lincoln field it's lincoln field right yeah, it's just financial. Yeah, I, I felt there was like a premonition of just. Uh, I felt it felt wrong being that close to it, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I was telling Foose as well. It makes sense why Philadelphia fans are so uh, grumpy all the time. Can you guys pave and finish a road mm. like a single highway in the state of Pennsylvania? <laughs> I just it would be so much better for my vehicle. But, of course, coming down from Jersey, you're in East Rutherford. Uh, you keep driving down an hour away, you're in Philadelphia. Another hour away, you're in Baltimore. Then next thing you know, you're in yep. D.C. Hmm. Chris, why is Dallas in the NFC East? <laughs> that is a fantastic question. Um, my wife asked me that a few years ago. Um, so it, it's funny. For years, she would not watch football. And a um, little marriage tip for you guys out there. Um, something that I did that ended up working out really well in my favor is I created a fantasy football league um, with her, um, her siblings, her spouses, and Jess wanted to win. And so she got really into football. It was a great move. But it was a few years ago that she was looking at the standings and she's like, okay, Washington, Philadelphia, New York, Dallas. <laughs> this doesn't really seem to fit. Um, and so, John, that's an excellent question that I just don't really have an answer to. Well, <clears throat> I think if we went back, we could probably find that Dallas was making moves to be, you know, yeah. at, during those decades ago, those, you know, New York City, the Giants were the New York football Giants. You know, they were those are larger markets, you yeah. know, 60s, 70s, you know, the origins of Dallas. But then you think about it. Who else would Dallas be in a division with? So, 
at the time the Texans didn't exist. I mean, they were Oilers yeah. for a while. I mean, technically you can make a division with Houston, New Orleans, and then Yeah. Cuz would you put them in the South or would you put them in the West? You would have to do NFC South and then what would you do? Uh move Charlotte up? Charlotte's a little bit yeah, closer. Yeah, maybe maybe Carolina goes to the NFC East. Yeah. And Dallas takes their spot. I mean, I, I want no yeah, part of this because I, I, I love our rivalries. It's, yeah, it's so too. historic. Me I mean, you're going to drive uh, – like Dallas is going to have to fly regardless. But when you realize yeah. that the East Coast has such an advantage, I was looking at some of the schedule, and I think there's like a five-week period for Philadelphia. It doesn't even have to get on a plane. Yeah. So, I mean, there's some advantages there. So let's, let's kind of pivot here. The schedule – was finally announced. Did you see the uh, the Jerry Jones post Malone Dallas Cowboys hype video? You know, I heard about it and yeah. I asked myself the question: um, Is this something I should click on? And at the time, I said no, and I kind of wish I would have. Um, I've heard some pretty pretty epic things about it. Um, I mean, John, I'm assuming you've watched it. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's not. That lengthy for a dot com website for the team. Yeah, I I think Dallas has the money to throw at it. It's the most profitable franchise in the NFL. So, yeah. and <clears throat> probably have some of the most famous fans, um, celebrity fans of the team. So you bring in Posty. They had him dressed up as a postman. Bring it in the yeah. schedule. <laughs> it was super corny, but also he got <laughs> post. Post Malone put a some ice bling around Jerry Jones's neck, and it was just really like uncomfortable, like looking at the camera That's thing. Fantastic, yeah. If you, uh, <laughs> I feel like it's both awesome and super cringe all at the same time, <laughs> just wrapped up in it. So, of course, Dallas, being the the big play that we are, we get to open up the season Thursday night football yeah. against the Super Bowl champs. Man, I. <laughs> When you want to feel hopeful and optimistic, you don't want to go up against the the reigning champs who are bringing back their entire team. Yeah. So I'm going to bring up the schedule here. Let's take a look at it and see what what are some of your like must see games um, that you really want to see. Some of the rivalry games. I feel like we talked about it in our group chat a little bit. Revenge games. Uh, of course, we're biased, but we're going to go with. Dallas a little bit heavier because yeah. you know what we're NFC East podcast mm-hmm. and we have nobody to oppose us right now. Yeah, I mean that's what I mean. I think that's what you get for missing this. So I, you know, I think we're fine to just trash Philly the entire time. You know, John, I was listening to somebody else say, um, it kind of felt like the NFL was going for a ratings grab with the opening game having your defending champs versus such a large fan base with Dallas. Um, I mean, I think you can make the argument that the opening game is going to be watched by a lot of people anyways, but yeah. kind of felt like the NFL was especially going for the ratings grab, um, having Tampa and Dallas open to, open against each other. I wonder how much the pandemic affected this. Like, yeah. if this was just a normal return season, would, it, would they bring in Dallas? Because Dallas is the big gun. Like, it really yeah. is. If you want to get viewership, you get, Super Bowl champs are going to be there. Brady, mm-hmm. you've got a storyline there. Um, you know, I might argue, I think Buffalo would have been a cooler matchup for them. Yeah. 
Uh, no, just I agree. interesting, or even New England, something to create drama because mm-hmm. Dallas is always going to get viewership. But I wonder if it's broader than just this one game. This is to pull back viewership for the entire season. So yeah. for a season that was down this past year, it, it makes all the sense in the world. As you go through other opening matchups, I, I don't see really any games that jump off uh, the field at me. However, I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna really want to see that. Uh, the Bears and Rams open it up. See, I I think the Cleveland um Kansas City one on week one is gonna be a good game. Um so that was that was this past year in the playoffs. Mahomes gets knocked out. Um Chad Henney is able to come in, close things down, and Kansas City advances to the AFC. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if Cleveland can kind of take another step. I think that should be a fun game to watch. I mean, anytime you're getting Mahomes on tape, like that's gonna be a fun mm-hmm. game. Those are both yeah. you got a soup the past two Super Bowls they've been a part of. And yeah. then Cleveland does seem like that team that might be ready to take the jump. I'll be interesting seeing it will it will be interesting to see what team Aaron Rodgers is playing for then. What yeah, are the odds he's still playing for Green Bay by that time? And so that's something, if you're looking for your team and you're lo- looking, everybody's doing it right now. You're lo- you're going through your schedule. You're doing that fake win, win, loss, win, loss, loss, win. We don't know what some of these teams are going to be, but guess what? Aaron Rodgers is going to show up on a team that you're not counting yeah. for. And that's yeah. probably going to be a loss no matter what team you are in, yeah. maybe except <laughs> uh, maybe other than like Kansas yeah. City uh, from there. Uh, other news. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, John, um, f- a fun matchup, and I will say it's fun on a local level and not a national level. Um, and, you know, seeing how you just trashed my home state of New Jersey, I'll, I'll bring this matchup up. I love that the Jets and Panthers have to play each other in week one. Yes, um, revenge you're gonna game. See, that's a revenge game. Zach Wilson versus Sam Darnold. And knowing how things typically work out for the Jets, I could see Darnold having like a 300-yard, four-touchdown, you know, career-making performance against his former team. I think that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, And if, and I'm not saying he will be, but if Wilson were to be a bust and Darnold were to go off in this game, you know, I think there there would be a lot of lamenting um, from Jets fans the Zach Wilson billboard might come down in a few years for the next franchise quarterback. But, um, you know, we don't know yet. I just think it's funny that they're playing each other week one. Would you say that this is a make or break game for Sam Darnold? Do you think this is what do you think this will define his tenure with Carolina? Or do you think, hey, it's opening week, new team, let's not put too much on it? You know, I think he really has a season to prove he's the guy. Um, I, I think Carolina can look at him and say, okay, we've done a lot more for you here than the Jets ever did, you know, for you, period. Um, so I, I really do think he has a season. Um, you know, if he doesn't have a good game, but he bounces back, I think he'll be fine. But, but I would say um, not a lot of these young quarterbacks are getting the chance that Darnold is getting right now. Um, you know, we, we talked about this on a previous on a previous episode where these young quarterbacks, I, I feel bad. You really have like a short window to kind of prove you're a starting quarterback. And if it doesn't work out, you're, you'll get labeled as a career backup pretty quick. Um, 
you have the you have the Ryan Tannehills of the world who are able to kind of bounce back in another situation. So rare, though. That's so it is rare. rare. And so this is a make or break season for Darnold. Um, and if he doesn't have a great year, you know, I could see Carolina saying, "Okay, we'll we'll take a quarterback and we'll have a little QB competition going into the following season." Um, so we'll see. I mean, it's an interesting game. I don't think it's a make or break game. Um, but I do think it's a make or break year for him. You just wonder about somebody like that who's how much of that is meant is a mental block of being yeah. in New York. How much is this going yeah. to like pull back the pressure a little bit and give him a chance to to thrive? And I yeah. think those first impressions for early signs of success, you could you I think you could easily psychologically pull this back to this was the game that reset his career or this is the game that we you know just stamped what we already thought we knew yeah um about where he's at and so much of it is just you know you said it the mental aspect of you know let's look at last season okay um packers draft jordan love aaron Rodgers responds by having an mvp season okay philadelphia eagles um sorry fusa i know you're not here um Draft Jalen Hurts, and Carson Wentz just doesn't really seem to be the same, you know, ever since. And so I think, I think you're right, John. It's interesting to see how these quarterbacks respond to adversity, and I think that's that's really what we're going to see early on with Darnold. Of okay, the Jets gave up on you after being the third overall pick. You know, can you bounce back and be a franchise quarterback somewhere else? Yeah, it'll. I mean. Not everybody gets a second chance. Chance yeah. most people do not get a second chance in the NFL. Yeah, just look at Josh mm-hmm. Rosen. So he didn't get a first chance. <laughs> truth, he had one again. He had one season. Yeah, and and realistically, didn't even get a full season to yeah. to really try it out and see. And that's going to be the story of his career. He's going to get yeah. replaced, and uh, somebody should should take a run at him just to develop. Because you still have the arm yeah, talent there, hmm. um, Pittsburgh should be calling. Ben's probably got one more year left in the tank as yeah. is. But there's been an interesting news cycle over the past couple of weeks of players hmm. returning to the NFL who've been out for a while oh, to boy. try to switch their <laughs> positions. Of course, we know the big one, the chosen one, yes. on the Florida Gator. <laughs> Timothy LeBron Tebow. <laughs> the the GOAT of college football is returning to Jacksonville, yes. his Florida namesake, with his old coach, Urban Meyer, to play tight end. The position everybody tried to get him to switch to a decade ago, but he decided to go play minor league baseball. Now, anybody that ever talks about meeting him testifies this dude is the genuine deal he is the nicest guy in the world so as much as we make jokes maybe that's the mentality urban meyer just wants to bring in some positivity into the locker room what are the odds he actually makes the team man that's a great question um i'm a little concerned that urban meyer 
is trying to find every um, college star and put them on the same team. Uh, just thinking about the Travis Etienne draft pick and now uh, getting Tim Tebow. Man, it's it's interesting. You know, I, I think Logan Thomas is probably the most recent example of a guy who started as a quarterback and then became a tight end, but didn't have an eight-year gap in, in between. Um, you know, you just wonder what this would have been like to what you just said, John, if, if he had done this earlier in his career, cause he is 33 years old. Um, and so uh, that that's kind of a number where a lot of people would say you're, you're kind of past your athletic prime or you're moving out of your athletic prime and all that. Yeah. Um, and, and you just, to me, I wonder, I'll, I'll say this. I think him making or not making the team I don't think if he makes a team, so let's say they carry three tight ends. I, I don't necessarily think that means that he's better than the number four or number five guy that they have in camp. Um, I think they could just say, okay, he's going to be our number three tight end. And we just kind of want a character locker room kind of guy. And we'll just see if it works out. You know, um, I, I think he would have to be pretty bad in training camp in preseason, like he would have to be really bad. Um, I, I think if he just does okay, you know, Urban Meyer and him have a history. I think also you think about, hey, we'll sell some tickets, you know, like I, I oh. could see that being a thing. We'll sell some jerseys. We'll, we'll do all of that kind of stuff. I think, and it's not, in a lot of ways, it's not fair. He would have to be pretty bad, in my opinion, to not make the team. I wonder if this is a parlay into a a coaching position, but do you even yeah. want him into in the quarterback room? Like the thing that the mm. the kid had in spades was uh, leadership, like buy in, yeah. like heart. Like that is yeah. the the Tim Tebow was never a great thrower of the football, but still an amazing college quarterback. Yeah, I mean this just goes back to remind everybody that. Professional sports is a business. You know, with business, it's not always who's the most equipped or the most skilled person for the position who gets the job. Sometimes it's who you know. If, especially when you have these like fringe of the lineup uh, roster spots, then it's who do you have a sponsor in the room? So we'll Mm. talk about you know Dallas and length. Are there certain people that as we've had two new? defensive coordinators in the past three years yeah did did this staff draft you probably (laughs) not like or do you have a sponsor in the room anymore so yeah if tebow doesn't make the team i think that's understandable i wonder how much of this is just tebow being like hey coach can i come try out we got 90 roster spots before we have to cut down sure cool Uh, you're are is the fourth or fifth tight end the other people we bring in for camp are, are they going to make or break our team no so yeah. come on tim come hang out and we'll we'll go from there the uh the other tight end another division rival uh the new york giants uh picked up old popeye's biscuit calvin benjamin <laughs> so <laughs> do you remember the Booker McFarlane, um, I think it's Booker McFarlane. I think it was Monday Night Football. 
It's like because <laughs> they've been playing the clips. And it was Kelvin Benjamin. Uh, I think he might have been still with. It was after he left Carolina already. But he's <laughs> he's, a, he's a Popeye's biscuit away from being a tight end. And guess what? He got them biscuits because now he's going to play tight end for the New York football giants. You know, it's it's interesting. Um, I, I believe he was the guy to that kind of blamed Cam Newton and when he was in Carolina and be like, oh, Cam yeah. Newton ruined my career. I never had a real quarterback, this, that, and the other. Went to Buffalo, didn't exactly light it up in Buffalo either. Um, so it's it's interesting. Like, he's a guy that, again, he's younger, so you kind of understand him trying to make a transition at this point. And you wonder, okay, if Tebow had done this earlier in his career, would it have worked out? But again, John, I mean, you said it a minute ago, 90 roster spots. And at this point, the Giants would be bringing him in really to be the third tight end. Because, um, yeah, I believe they signed Kyle Rudolph in the offseason. They still have Evan Ingram. Um, so he would be he'd be that third guy. So you're, it's not really a risk um, to bring him in. So you just kind of, yeah, I mean, you see how he does in camp. You see how he does in the preseason and you roll the dice. But it's not a Tebow situation. I don't think like they're thinking, oh my gosh, we're going to sell so many more tickets with Calvin Benjamin being our third tight end. Right. Um, I don't know. I'm interested to see how it goes. Yeah. It, and this is that time of the year where you're just trying to churn the bottom half yeah. of your roster. Uh, you're most teams either already established through established vets have their, their one through 22. They yeah. have, for the most part, they're starters or through the draft who are people are going to be competing for those game day positions. So you're just trying to get, what, 20, 30 through 53? Like, that's where you want to churn out for your depth and see if, hey, can we get cheaper? Can we revitalize somebody? Dallas used to do this all the time. Hey, this guy was a number one. This was guy was a first or second round draft pick. Didn't quite work out where he's at, uh, where he was drafted. You know, a la Sam Darnold or you know, offensive lineman here or there, and maybe wasn't a great scheme fit. Yeah. So can you churn at your bottom half of your roster? Can you find some depth? Because it's a war of attrition in the NFL. So usually the yeah. people who end up in the playoffs and are successful there are the lucky ones who stay healthy the longest. I agree. And I think, too, you know, if you think about it, this is kind of a they say this about the NBA a lot. It's a copycat league, if you think about it. And so I remember, you know, after Antonio Gates kind of blew up in San Diego, there were a lot of teams out there that were like, okay, let's go find a college basketball power forward who maybe isn't, you know, good enough to be in the NBA, but maybe we can convert him into a tight end. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of teams tried to do it. Dallas tried to do it with the guy from Baylor a few years ago. Um, Rico gathers. Um, and so a lot of teams have tried to do it. I, I think Logan Thomas had a pretty good year, um, with, with Washington last year. And so I wonder if now you're going to see more teams saying, okay, Tim Tebow, Kevin Benjamin, let's, you didn't work out here. Let's try and make you, you know, into that tight end that we think you can be. And, and so I do wonder if like, we're going to see more teams trying this now that it's worked out a couple times. Yeah, and I think you're seeing that position 
going to be start morphing away. It's already been doing this for the past couple of decades. Yeah. Your, your tight end is no longer your inline blocker. Uh, you're going to have them split out wide, mismatch. The tight end is a mismatch. Down yeah. the middle of the seam, breaking t- cover two coverages, like really working those seam routes or those option yeah. Y option routes there in the center of the field um, that, you know, our, our guy Jason Witten used to tear it up for years on these little Y options where you can either hook back or keep going through the middle of the field. And so you're, I think you're going to see these larger hyper athletes. And I think that's what you had there to where yeah. Kelvin Benjamin, a little too heavy for a wide receiver, a round runner, but could be yeah. a beastly tight end. So, yeah. And I, and thinking back, I wonder if Rico gathers, he probably, he, I wonder if he just put on more weight and played offensive tackle. <laughs> I yeah. think I think you could have been. It could have worked. Yeah, <laughs> could have been one of those premier positions. Um, yeah, Martellus Bennett, another another person who yeah. probably could have been a a Hall of Fame tackle, but he played tight end. Like yeah. there's just uh, <laughs> one of those things. Oh, looks like we got some somewhat breaking news over the past hour. Deshaun Watson is now resurfacing. Um, oh, not anything new, but now it's like becoming public like he's back on the grind and since Foose isn't here we'll talk about it just so he can just hear about it the number one team I hear Watson rumor to connect with would be Philadelphia and wow I I want no part of that Mm. no part of that it's it's interesting to me what Philadelphia would have to give up um I remember the popular rumor really before all of Watson's legal troubles kind of surfaced was really, you know, there was the rumor that it was Miami, it was going to be Tua and the number five pick and, you know, some other considerations, but Tua and the number five pick were the main kind of, you know, attractive pieces for Watson. Um, and so that that would be a pretty significant haul for, for Houston to rebuild. Um you just wonder what Philly is going to have to give up um, really to get Watson. Um, it, it would have to be a lot, even with um, knowing that he's, I would imagine he's going to be serving some kind of suspension this year. Um, There's no way he's not like, yeah, just from allegations alone. Yeah. The, the, yeah. the exemption list. I mean, we Dallas fans, we have experience with this when Zeke was going yeah. through it, even though he was cleared still six games, Minimum. Yeah. That's the standard. So does that lower the price, become somewhat more negotiable for whoever the teams are? Is it so burning Houston that Houston just has to take what they can now? Or does Houston hold his feet to the fire and say, no, you're going to play with us if you're going to play at all. Or otherwise you can set out you're under contract. So wow. hmm. it'll be interesting to see <clears throat> either way now. I feel like that's one of those stories that'll continue to churn, and it's probably something we don't even worry about until something happens. But interesting speculation that he's now feeling comfortable coming back out, uh, posting, you know, workout vids. Hey, I'm ready, staying ready, that type yeah. of thing. Uh, but of course, we'll see how that all plays out. I'll tell you a game. I know we already talked about it, but as I'm looking over the schedule, a game that I think is worth watching week one. Mainly because these stark contrasts are their offensive styles. I want to watch Arizona, Tennessee. Like you talk about the complete opposite. <laughs> you have uh, Kingsbury, who's 
we want four wide receivers on the field. Yeah, air raid. Versus yeah. Versus the, the ground to pound. Derrick Henry, when are the carries going to start catching up? So it'll be interesting to see it's, how that plays out over this next year. I love watching Derrick Henry, but John, you're right. You know, it's that physical, violent, I'm just going to run you over kind of style that you just wonder at some point the wear and tear. Um, and we talk about it all the time with running backs that the careers are short. The primes are even shorter. And, you know, by the time a guy's in his late 20s, you're kind of like, okay, how much time does he actually have left? Um, so I, I've wondered that about Derrick Henry. He's so much fun to watch. And, you know, I, I think even there's not a ton of guys that have that style anymore. But you do wonder, okay, how many hits can he take? You know, really, when is that going to catch up to him? Yeah. So one last thing I want us to touch on. We will we'll cut this episode short uh, yeah. <clears throat> since we're down to one. Way too early NFL award season predictions. And we'll get okay. Foose to jump in as well. Here's one article. I uh, Well, we're just going to read off the article. And we're going to give our thoughts on it. And then maybe we'll have it planned to come back. And when Foose is here, we'll make our predictions for the year. Way, way too early. NFL MVP, highest odds, projected winner currently, Josh Allen. I could see it. Um, I I can definitely see it. It's just expectations are going to be high um, since they had such a great season. You know, they'll have to face Kansas City probably again in that AFC championship game. And then, I mean, we said it earlier, Cleveland's no joke. I I really think Cleveland, no matter which one of those teams they play in the playoffs this year, they're really going to give a lot of trouble to you. But I I could definitely see, you know, I I don't think I would push back on that one too much. Yeah, I think it's going to be stats-driven. That's the main thing. Who has the stats? Whose team record matches up with it? there's a there's a world that you know Dak Prescott's in that in that combination or in yeah. that conversation. I mean, he was on track before he got injured just to have monster stats, mainly because we yeah. were behind in every game at the beginning of last year before he went down. But that's yeah. sort of the uh, the old Tony Romo effect. We'll have you know a lot of fourth quarter comebacks because we're behind uh, <laughs> quite a bit. But yeah, I think it's completely wide open. I, if if I almost said San Diego. If LA can continue on and protect him, because he was yeah. on the run constantly, yeah. then you definitely had that potential. But they had they had JJ Watt for defensive player of the year. I, I just don't see it. I mean, he's huh? He, he's switching teams. Um, uh, maybe that's just because the hunger to leave Houston and improve themselves. Maybe. I, and I mean, I I just kind of feel like at this point. He's a declining player, right? Like, yeah. he's not... I, I think he's still a good NFL player and can make an impact. But he's he's not where he was years ago. He he gets hurt all the time at this point. Um, and so I just don't see, like, this career resurgence in Arizona. I think I think he's an important piece to their defense. Um, but to me, he, he's a declining player at this point. Yeah. Here's who I could see um, having a comeback, especially if the Bears play better, Khalil Mack. 
just because yeah. he, I think he's still at that level of I agree. prime to where if he has some support around him, uh, if he doesn't have to get all the attention, he can still single-handedly wreck a game. And mm. so what, that's, to me, if you're going to win Defensive Player of the Year, to me, you need to single-handedly wreck a game. You need to be the guy that offenses have to plan for um, ahead of time. So uh, Aaron Donald, to me, could pretty much always win it every year. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. Um, so, so um, <laughs> and sure enough, guess what? I scroll down, Dak Prescott projected comeback player of the year. I mean, yeah. if he if he just has a full season, I feel like that's – I don't know how I feel I, about that as a Cowboys yeah. fan because it's kind of like when you have your player, you want them to win MVP. So as a Dallas fan mm. for Dallas Mavericks basketball, when people are like, oh, I want to. I think Lucas should be in the conversation with the MVP. I mean, I don't think he's quite there. But people are like, "Yeah, we'll give him most improved player." I'm like, "Don't give me that. That's not what I want." It's a consolation <laughs> prize. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I think if Dak isn't in that conversation for MVP, I think it's a shoe in for if he just has a normal, healthy Dak Prescott season. I I agree. I mean, that offense before he got hurt. I mean, he has Amari Cooper. <laughs> He has CeeDee Lamb. He has Michael Gallup. You know, it's I, I really do think he could put up huge numbers this year. Yeah. Then we, I mean, I don't, th- I can't even think of another player who would even qualify because you have to, you have to be coming back yeah. from something yeah. to qualify unless you had another. Um, and I mean, to me, J.J. Watt's a guy that like, yeah, let's say he has 20 sacks this year. That you could say, okay, maybe he's the comeback player of the year, right? Um, but I agree. There's not a lot of guys I can think of that I would say. Sam you know, Darnold will be the other one. Yeah, there you go. I, I, a quarterback who hasn't yep. gotten their chance. That's got to be yeah. uh, what it is. Is there another running back coming back from an ACL tear? I want to say somebody compared it mm. to Adrian Peterson coming back. I wonder if he can have a yeah. similar return. I can't remember who the running back was. So that's, of course, an award based on expectations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the projected winner for Coach of the Year, Brandon Staley. Hmm. Who is Staley? Oh, Chargers. It took me a second, too. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, don't th- I think whoever has a solid record, whoever is, if your side of the ball is the reason, that your team is winning, a la Jason Garrett when he won Coach of the yeah. Year when 2016 came through, and it was all because the offense was running through folks. Hmm. I mean, it'll be interesting to see. But any other thoughts uh, than the rookies of the year? Let's do yeah. hit offensive refense. I don't even care what anybody else says. So offensive rookie of the year, it's got to be one of the quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean – you know Trevor Lawrence is going to get the ball right away, um, and then you know that about Zach Wilson. Really, it's the other three guys that you just don't know. Okay, when does Trey Lance play? And when does Justin Fields and Mac Jones play? Um, I, I think for, for Jones and for Fields, they could probably see the field a lot quicker. Um, I don't think Chicago's convinced Andy Dalton's their guy. 
And I don't know that New England's giving Cam as their guy. Um, and so, yeah, L- Lawrence and Wilson will have their opportunities. And so I really could see it being either of those. You know, I think Foose would probably jump in here and tell us Devontae Smith is going to be the offensive rookie, rookie of the year. Who's throwing to um, There you go. <laughs> um, Jalen Hurts. Hey, prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. But. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I agree. So I'll, I'll touch on defense. I think Dallas yeah. ha- might have your defensive rookie of the year with Micah Parsons, mainly because I think he'll get a lot of plays. He'll get a lot of yeah. tackles if he stays healthy, and he's on the Dallas Cowboys. So will somebody have a yeah. better season with him? And maybe be- say if you had the same player, put him on Dallas, you're going to just naturally increase. That's why we typically have more pro bowlers, more name recognition, yeah. uh, where, we're, where we have a decent season. Uh so, or if any of these cornerbacks pop off and get some yeah. picks. I agree. I think it, he's going to be more visible. He's going to play in primetime a lot in marquee games that everybody's going to watch. I also think, like, let's say Sertain has a great year in Denver. You can have a great year as a corner, and if you don't have, like, a ton of picks, you might not get noticed, you know? And so he may shut down a bunch of receivers and only have two interceptions. And I think a lot of people who vote on these awards would look at that and just say, Oh, he only had two takeaways, you know? Um, and, and so I think that position with traditional stats can really be hard to measure. Um, and so that's what I think with Parsons, like you can look at the stats and say, man, he has like a hundred some odd tackles and he forced a few fumbles and they're going to use him in coverage and they're going to use him to rush. So he might have like a few sacks, a few deflections. And so I think the traditional stats really help Parsons out where with a corner, you know, unless he, unless one of those guys has like seven, eight interceptions and maybe takes a few to the house, you may look at that or a casual fan might look at that and just say, okay, you know, I guess he had an okay year. Um, it's, it's just a lot harder to measure with those guys. And so I really do think Parsons will be a key part of that defense right away. He's going to start right away. And because they can use him in so many different ways and really um, because I think he'll do a lot more highlight worthy stuff. Um, that's going to give him an edge over those corners. Yeah, absolutely. Cause really it's about narrative. All these awards about narrative. Yeah. What's the story that's absolutely. being told about them. And who makes the most highlight plays? Who's on those top 10 plays throughout the week? And, yeah. you know, sometimes who's got the biggest personality? Mm. <laughs> that, might, that might be the difference. Though. That's why Sertain yeah. may not be even in the conversation because he seems to be more mild-mannered about his business. Sort of a, I think of Byron Jones, who is mm. just buttoned up, came to work, uh, just... Not really a true shutdown corner, but not a lot of interceptions, but yet got paid bank because he was a great coverage corner. I think you're getting and, and away we, from that era. I don't yeah. think we're going to see the way offenses are run now, a bunch of picks. I don't think you're going to have yes. any DBs that really have more than two to three in a season. And I think if you're getting two to three in a season, you're getting notarized. Like People are going to know about it. I agree. I I think, you know, we we're now in an era that is definitely more heavily weighted toward offense. Um, And so there's 
really um, not a lot physically that these corners can do. Um, you know, I think more more quarterbacks are spreading the ball out a lot too, where, you know, I can remember all the way back in the 90s that I remember it was an NFC championship game. I want to say it was 94, 95. And San Francisco was playing the Cowboys. And Dion was on San Francisco the next year. He went to Dallas. And, and I remember they tried to move Michael Irvin to the other side so that he would not be matched up against Dion. Um, and so, like, I remember that was the big thing. Don't throw in his direction. Just don't. Um, you know, you kind of wonder how many of those guys are kind of still out there. Um, but I remember very vividly the game plan was do not throw anywhere near Deion Sanders because he will intercept it. Well, I think the last guy was Darrell Rivas. Yeah. Uh, Rivas Island was the last one who really felt like put him on an island and just go cover. Yeah. I think there's still, yeah. I think the way the game is being coached, it's a little bit more so towards knocking down and being less aggressive. So both defenses yeah. and offenses are just trying to either defenses prevent the big play from happening, keep things in front of you. You're seeing a lot more cover two, cover three, base coverages, keep it in front mm -hmm. of you, make sure tackles. If we give them, keep them on the field long enough, they'll make a mistake. In the same way, passing is not just big chunks down the field. Now passing yeah. can be used like a run game to just yeah. spread it out, those short intermittent routes, keep the clock running. Your passing game can basically be a ball control offense as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good stopping point for us to this week. Since we're down a man, we're going to be back with you guys next week. Uh, Foose should be back and ready to uh, get on us about trash and Philly. So, but <laughs> well, one day they'll get a quarterback um, and pay them appropriately and keep them more than a season. But until then, for Chris Cortez, the Missy Michael Foos, my name's John Dammit. Thanks for watching, friends and foes. You guys have a good one.